As we were sitting there during communion, I wrote these words to myself. These thoughts immediately came to mind. Preaching is scary. Because I don't know what I don't know. And the idea that our Lord God would ask me to speak for Him is absolutely ridiculous. Because I don't know what I don't know. And David Emery, your need for humility has never been greater than you have it right now. You need to be humble and you need to listen to me. David Emery, I wrote this in my notes, your love for God is greater than your fear. Because the Lord has put a fire in my bones. A fire in my bones to preach a message of grace and love to all people. The reason he called David Emery to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is because when we all get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of rejoicing. Because we will all get to heaven, and by all he means all, and my message is the gospel of inclusion for all. That's why I'm here. I, I've already started preaching, I'm not even preaching. But I'm preaching a sermon series this month called Things Jesus Never Said. Initially it was going to be called uh, Things Jesus Said That I Wish He Didn't Say. But I started to start with the things that we think he said that he didn't say. And I created a list of 30 things he didn't say. And I picked four for the next four weeks. And this morning my title is No Shoes, No Cert, No Service. He didn't say that. Now, a lot of religion says that. Uh, much of the religious world says, no shoes, no shirt, no service. Now, it may not be said, but it's implied. It basically means, before you show up, before you follow Jesus, before you become one of us, you better straighten up, you better stand up, you better dress right, you better wear a tie. You better get a nice pair of polished shoes. You better have a firm handshake. You better cover up your tattoos, remove your piercings, clean up your language, get baptized, go through confirmation class, pass a test, get a diploma, get a passport before you can enter the kingdom of God. I got a phone call some time ago from another church. It appears that member of our congregation and chosen to relocate to another congregation. Understanding who the preacher is, I can understand why. And uh, the, the, the secretary of the church wanted a background check on the person that was coming to the church. No, no, I'm preaching. They wanted a reference about, that they could give to the elders about the moral qualities of the person joining their church. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, it's a true, true story. And I gave a very nice reference. I'm not so sure about some of you, though. <laughs> and I said nice things, of course. But I had to hold my tongue. Because I wanted to say, according to the standards that you have set for church membership, it's apparent to me that none of the apostles will be admitted as membership to your church. You see... 
no shoes, no shirt, no service means to Jesus, may I be of service. You see, when we show no shoes and no shirt, he's not repulsed by us. He's attracted to us. You see, for Jesus, you don't have to pass the test. For Jesus, you don't have to go through confirmation class. For Jesus, you don't have to cover up your tattoos. For Jesus, you don't have to wear a tie. For Jesus, you don't have to drink the company Kool-Aid. For Jesus, you don't have to have a passport. All you got to do is say yes. Just give the best yes you can. Acknowledge your naked need for him. And he says, come and follow me. Because if it were no shoes, no shirt, no service, none of us would be able to follow. Let me give you an So I heard, I heard this story, and, and it could be true. Apparently, this inclusion thing is causing a big problem in heaven. St. Peter is looking at who's walking around, and he goes, some, some of these people aren't on my list. There's some people in heaven who are unaccounted for, and it's causing a crowding issue. There are not enough mansions built for all these people walking, and they're not on the list. i got to guard the gate. So he brings the apostles together and says to the apostles, we got to figure this out. We better get some angels to help. Will you investigate the problem? Who are these people? They come back two weeks later and say, we figured it out. It's Jesus. He's the problem. Because we found him around back pushing people over the wall. I don't know. Now, now I'm not just making this up. Maybe just a little bit. But there's a long-standing tradition in Scripture about love of God and love of neighbor. In the Bible, Jesus says the test of our faithfulness is not our beliefs, but our actions. And our love of God is demonstrated in the love of our neighbor. It's a long-standing biblical tradition from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And he tells it in this one parable, which is I call a slap-you-in-the-face parable called the parable of the sheep and goats. You've heard this parable. Uh, those who serve the least of these go to heaven those who do not serve the least of these go to hell because in the least of these we see Jesus now here's the exact parable this is what he said not making this up now he says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, notice I bolded this word, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. In other words, no shoes, no shirt, may I be of service. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now I underline this word stranger because this is a big word in the Bible. From the very beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the stranger is the focus, the special focus of the love of God. 
Because at one point, the Israelites themselves were strangers living in a foreign land. God heard their cry and heard their suffering and then sent a deliverer to rescue them from their slaveholders. They were delivered. They crossed the desert. And over and over and over, one more over, over again, God says to them, Never forget that at one time you were foreigners and aliens in a strange land and I rescued you and brought you home to safety. Never forget to show kindness to those around you who are foreigners and aliens in your own land. Welcome them, love them, and serve them. Do not cast them aside because your ability to, and this is what it says, your ability to stay in this land depends on your kindness to the immigrants. That's what it says. Now, let me show you a piece of paper. See that? That's a small sampling of scriptures basically saying what I just said. Let me read to you then enough to make you pass out. Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19 says, For the Lord your God, the Lord is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them with food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Exodus 23, 9. You should not oppress a resident alien. You know the heart of an alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. Leviticus. When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress them. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you, and you shall love the alien as you love yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Jeremiah 22, 3. Thus says the Lord, act with justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor anyone who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the stranger, the orphan, the widow, or shed innocent. And it just goes on. And on. This is one of multiple examples. This is a major theme in Scripture. Hebrews 13.2 says, the culmination of all these teachings and the summation of the parable we just read, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Jesus said, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. You get the point? Now let me, make, let me drop the, the big one here. The thing that I believe is at the heart of this is if our religion does not welcome, does not call, and does not include welcoming immigrants, refugees, orphans, widows, the poor, and so on, as the primary focus of what we do, then we can't call it Christianity. It is all through the Bible. And in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, the love of neighbor always trumps love of country. Always. Always, always, always. Jesus Jesus never said, Rome first. He never said, Israel first. He never said, America first. Now hear me, 
What he did say was, seek first the kingdom of God. And the greatest among you are those who become servants of the least of these. That's the teaching of Jesus, not David. He says, he says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And your ability to hold on to what you have is to recognize it's not yours to begin with and I've given it to you to bless others with it. And as long as you put yourselves first, you're going to lose what you have. For what good does it do you, Jesus says, to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What does it tell us about Jesus that when he met some men who would betray him and walk away from him, who showed up with dirty feet, that he took off his robe and washed their feet? Romans 13, 1 through 7 is a Bible passage that Paul wrote when he said that we should obey, that we should obey the government authorities because they've been put in place by God and ordained by God. The problem with that passage of Scripture is it really works well if you're the person who's in position of power to read it. And the reality is that that passage of Scripture should never be applied literally to every situation. The reason that is true is if it were literally applied, every single person in this room would be British subjects. There would have been no Boston Tea Party. If that were true, the Israelites would still be slaves in Egypt. If that passage were true and literally applied, then all the African Americans in our room would still be slaves and we could still be slaveholders. That passage has been used by everybody for centuries to justify who they are and what they do. And it works well as long as, it's, as, long as you're working well for you. And every, not just now, it's been going on year after year and year after year. And every group has said it and said, we're the right, God's on our side. God, listen, God is not a Republican and God is not a Democrat. God is for all people. He does not belong to any party. God's party is humanity. And we serve a higher kingdom. Here's what's interesting. But you know that's why we have highlighters, right? We have a highlighter religion. So we can highlight Romans 13, 1 through 7 when it's working well for us. You're not with me yet. I'm going to start preaching now. Because listen, this highlighter thing is a real problem. Let me ask you. So a rich man and a religious man goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to be, inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Right? You know the story? Another man who's rich and religious comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, you must sell all you have and give it to the poor. Why is it then that we make being born again mandatory, but selling everything you to the poor optional? Why? That's because we have a highlighter. We highlight the stuff we like, and we highlight the stuff we don't like. And i got to tell you, i got to confess to my church this morning, in all humility, that I have a great big highlighter. And I'm really good at highlighting Scripture that favors me and looks out for me. But I can tell you this morning that if I was poor, if I had nothing, if I couldn't provide my kids with food and clothing and shelter, 
if I was living in violence and in crime and human suffering, I would be highlighting different parts of this Bible. The parts of the Bible that David Emery is not highlighting because he, to some extent, is a person of privilege. The stuff I have, to a large degree, isn't because I'm more blessed than other people. It's because of where I was born. And God wants me to understand because of where I was born, I'm given a responsibility to share what I have with other people. That's what the Bible says. When you are given freedom, freedom comes with a responsibility. To those who have been given much, we've been ex- much of expected of us. Jesus did not say that the world is a dark place, so hide in the building and sing songs about me till I come back to rescue you. The problem is, and, and I will say this, let me just, I just got to say this. Every week, somebody comes to me, David, are you going to talk about the shooting? David, are you going to talk about what happened in Charlottesville? David, are you going to talk about the opioid crisis? David, are you going to talk about what's happening with families? Listen, it's every week something's going on in the world, some human suffering going on in the world. And I tell you, I'd stand up here every week and we'd be talking about something every week because there's stuff keeping people up at night every week. But we have to find a way, somehow or another, as the people of God, to be in humility and to say, I don't know all the answers, but God does, and I'm coming seeking His Word, and I want to know what God wants to say, and I want to be faithful. Because the problem we have is all over America is ministers have been muted. We've been muted because we don't know how to talk about stuff when people are so polarized. I don't want to polarize people. I want to bring people together to face the problems that human beings face. And that is bigger than party and politics and anything. This is not a poli- this is a justice issue. People have been living in Central and South America for, for years. And they've been trying to go to places for freedom for years. And this has been a problem going on for decades and decades and decades. And families are not just being separated from the children now. Right now, people are using this to exploit, and the people who are victims are children. But we've got to be able to be in a place where people will come in from the outside and hear us talking about what's happening. We're trying to figure it out together. We're not trying to solve everybody. We're just trying to be God's people. You see, this parable actually suggests, now the last time this was preached, five people walked out to meet, this parable was preached, five people got up and walked out of the building. Too bad for Jeff Howe, who preached it, huh? <laughs> I was the one that said, go for it, Jeffrey. My college roommate, go ahead, preach this sermon. Go for it, brother. Five people got up and walked out. But this parable suggests that an atheist can go to heaven, and at the same time, a Christian can go to hell. Because in the parable, they're surprised to learn what they're being evaluated on. They think they're being evaluated on the basis of belief, but they're not. They're being evaluated on the basis of one fundamental thing, love of God and love of neighbor. My point there is that if you can't see God in your neighbor, it doesn't matter what you say you believe. You're an atheist. Because every human being is created in the image of God And if you can't see the image of God in a person who's of a different color than you, in a different place than you, then you're an atheist. You're a Christian atheist. 
And it would be better for Christians to keep, quit calling themselves Christians than to be atheist Christians. Am I making, do you understand what I'm saying? Am I, what I'm trying to say is that the true form of atheism is the person who can't see God in their neighbor. Because when you've done it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus said this. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the gates of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father, Matthew 7, 21. This parable should make us very uncomfortable. I am very uncomfortable because we'll never be on the right side of it, at least not where I live. And you know what this parable does for me? It makes me realize how poorly dressed I am. How this morning I showed up before you with no shirt and no shoes. Because when it comes to dressing appropriately, this is what the Bible says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And when it comes to these things, I am just so inadequately dressed. And I confess to you that I am lacking in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, especially with those who may disagree with me. And so I show up at the Lord's table and I show up on Sunday morning saying, Lord, I have no shoes. I have no shirt. And you know what he says to me? Let me be of service to you. Come to me, naked as you are, and let me dress you up in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I am very proud that I belong to the Christian Church Disciples of Christ which has for decades been preaching a message of inclusion. I'm proud that I belong to a denomination along with other denominations around the world for decades that have been working to make the lives of immigrants and refugees better. I'm happy that I belong to a congregation that has a history of settling refugees and Syrians and in our community, sometimes in the face of criticism. I'm happy that I belong to a church uh, in recent weeks which has condemned an ongoing practice of family separations. It's not going on just, it's been going on for a long time. I, I'm glad that I also, I'm not Catholic, but if I was, I'd love to have the Pope as my Pope. And I think Pope, pope Francis is about the best dude on the earth right now. Because you think, you think, you see, with Pope Francis, you think people get criticism? If somebody's going to kill that dude, it's going to be within his own ranks. And here's what he said. He said this week, A person's dignity does not depend on them being a citizen or an immigrant or a refugee. Saving the life of someone fleeing war or poverty is an act of humanity. And anytime a child cries, 
Anytime a child cries for their mother or their, for their father, or a mother or father cries because they're seeking asylum and fleeing poverty and is separated from their children, I, I think that gets God's concern in God's ear. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for the ability to be here before you poorly dressed. And I acknowledge my instability and culpability and sin and my lack of compassion and grace in just all so many ways. I don't know what I don't know, but I know that you do. And I know that your word speaks to me and speaks to us. And we as a church, we don't have all the answers, but we do know that we're sinners in need of your grace. So help us to be a church for this time and in this world who stands for the things that matter and don't worry about the rest. Bring us to your son Jesus today. Bring us to your son Jesus. Bring us to our knees and our desperate, desperate need for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.